Hey, it's Brian. Before we start today's episode, I've got one little request. Now, I'm not good at tap dancing, so I will not tap dance around it, nor am I good at tiptoeing or dancing in general. So here it is. We need your money. Okay, that was a little direct, but it's true. We're part of Moody Radio Cleveland, and we're a listener-supported ministry. So people like you who listen to this podcast every week faithfully, and we're grateful for you, you are the ones who keep every episode coming out time and again. And it's not cheap to keep radio stations and podcasts running. So would you prayerfully consider a donation to this ministry? Super easy to do that. Go to moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Again, moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. And you can follow links there to get your gift in safely and securely right now. All right, enough of that. On to today's episode. Did you know that most couples wait an average of six years before signing up for marriage counseling? Wow. Most couples I know wait till they absolutely, like it's disastrous to even talk about counseling. Right. And that Mm. to me would be probably, if you average that out, mm, six years. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Because I I think with that data, the the presumption is that they needed it six years ago, but they waited for six years. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I was wondering if that was from the wedding day, your sixth anniversary is when you sign up for counseling, or if it's, we first realize we've got a serious impasse here, let's wait six more years, and if we're still married and both alive, we'll go to counseling. (laughs) (laughs) You know what we're about to do? We're about to get real. We're about to have conversations that Christians have behind closed doors, the scary ones, the ones that make you feel uncomfortable. That's where we're going. Why? Because we're family. Ustedes son mi familia. So this is the Brian and Janelle podcast. She's Janelle, and I'm Brian. If you don't want to miss anything, all you have to do is hit the subscribe button to get a notification whenever we drop a new episode. This is the Brian and Janelle podcast. You know, we are advocates of counseling around here for a lot of reasons, but sometimes it's difficult to convince your spouse to join you. Mm -hmm. Because for a lot of people, counseling is still taboo, you know? So it's like, hey, let's go to marriage counseling. (gasps) What? What if somebody sees us? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so Janelle found this fascinating article, Seven Ways to Improve Your your Marriage or Your Relationship, without telling your spouse. That's sneaky. It sounds very sneaky. (laughs) So we're going to get sneaky. And really, I normally pick out my favorites. I like all the advice. We'll get to as much as we can here on Moody Radio Cleveland. And uh, Janelle found this fascinating article that I'm so excited to talk to you about. Because, you know, we as Christians, uh, we believe in the, the sanctity of marriage, mm-hmm. of human life. And we, we're like, you know what? God designed marriage for a man and a woman. And so that's the way he wants it. It's great. But it's really hard. <laughs> it is hard. And, it it's, is it, hard. Oh, and so many marriages struggle and they don't get help. Yes. Ian, now that you bring up the sanctity of marriage, I, one thing I like about this article is we got to go past the marriage is, is important and we got to stay together. 
we've seen a lot of people in the generations before us doing that, and they're unhealthy. And they're, they don't have intimacy in terms of emotional. And so I heard somebody yesterday, we were talking about marriage, and she told me, she was quoting someone that said, we have placed sanctity of marriage over the emotional and spiritual health of the individuals in the marriage. I believe that. Which then kind of nullifies the sanctity of the marriage. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well said. <laughs> Because I think we somewhat believe naively, me included, that mm-hmm. if you do it God's way, everything will work out perfectly without any effort. Yeah. As in like marriage is between a man and a woman for life. So just do that and you'll be fine. Mm, no. No. Um, yeah. that, that presumes both people are perfect. And last time I checked, you're not Jesus. Well, yeah. And that's what I liked about this article even though it's like we laughed about it being sneaky, because sometimes it's hard for two people at the same time to agree. You know what? We need help. And yes. if you don't have that, you feel powerless because it's like you're in the marriage. And if you love the Lord, you're not going anywhere. So you almost at in different seasons feel trapped. Like, really? So I got to stay here and be unhealthy and just be like, we're just going to be together till we die. <laughs> you know, it feels like a sentence. You feel stuck. Yeah. And this article to me felt empowering. Like there are things I can do yeah, to and, help. And I think we would encourage you, of course, to get help before it's too late. Yeah. And marriage counseling is healthy and good. Uh, but here's how the article starts. It says, Therapy is often seen as the antidote to a struggling relationship, but couples need to hash out their disputes in a therapy room in the presence of a soft-voiced, non-judgmental relationship counselor. <laughs> That's how they talk? That's how we think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How do you feel about that? <laughs> you- While well, they busily write notes on everything you say. Uh-huh. With their glasses down on their nose. Yeah. <laughs> mm. What are you writing? Uh, never mind. Uh-huh. Continue. While it's true therapy can help, most couples wait an average of six years before signing up. By then, their dysfunctional habits are often so embedded in the relationship, it's tough to dig out of them. And that can mean therapy because it becomes more war zone than a place of learning, listening, and peaceful resolution. There's another way, though, to improve your relationship and to be good or better as a partner in a relationship. And that's to work on yourself, to understand who you are, and how you roll in a relationship. How you roll? Yeah. That's cool. How you roll? <laughs> you probably can't hang with him. Look at him being all deep and then being cool at the same time. Wow. They just caught me up. <laughs> yeah. And it also sounded, here's me, like, is there, is there a, let's see the whitest guy in the room. Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> yes. Me. <laughs> yeah. And then you will see how you roll. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. I know it did. Thanks for calling me out on that. Uh, The article goes on. People often say they want their partner or at least some aspect of them to be different. But trying to change someone else is a rocky place to start. It can cause confusion and hurt, particularly if it's a personality-based trait. There's a sneaky thing you can do. You can tweak another's behavior by changing your own approach. I looked at all of them. I agree with you. They were all really good, Brian. But one of my favorites, like my top, is number two, know your hot buttons. Mm. And the author says, do you get defensive when you're criticized, even if it's justified? Are you highly sensitive to the opinions of other people? Do you have to have the last word or win an argument? No. That's not you? (laughs) Me? That's not you? (laughs) No. 
Man, it's that's like, oh, yeah. yeah, right. I wish Sarah was listening I have right the last now. Word, though. I have the last word. Go ahead. Next one. <laughs> and so do you get upset when you feel overwhelmed or undervalued? I'm surprised that the author didn't include things about your past. Because when I've talked to people about hot buttons, they've called it triggers. Would you say those are equal? Yeah. And so she mentioned, my friend mentioned when we were talking about triggers in terms of things that have nothing to do with your spouse or the moment. It could be things from maybe a prior relationship or maybe your parents yeah, so or whatever. Something your dad always said to you. Yes. And, and it, it could be your you trigger. And so the author says, knowing your hot buttons, those things that are sure to ignite a reaction in you gives you some command over your behavior. I loved it because that's all me. I got several triggers. And so you, when you don't know them, you're almost like a victim or a subject of your own the weakness. moment and your own weakness. Hmm. And even the moment. It's like, oh, I got a kid. This kid has like all kinds of triggers, all kinds of triggers. And the way Len says it is hmm. like when his siblings— trigger him and I got one who's very manipulative and just knows those buttons and presses them probably quietly quiet man that kid is good and stays cool (laughs) and so my husband trying to help this child is telling him you're pretty much giving people the remote control over you and they could just sit there and just be like watch this Oh, that's a good analogy. I like how, yeah. Yeah, and so it feels like you take control again and so when I've sat down and seen clear triggers in the moment you don't see it you know you just feel like oh you you get emotional and you go when you see them it gives you the power to say oh here look it's a trigger and so it's like intentionally taking control because you clearly see oh that's a button that's being pressed and you can pre-plan like what would I do oh let me walk away for five minutes or let me just say okay fine (laughs) versus just I'll just stay calm whenever we talk you see what I'm saying it feels it feels more specific these are the moments where I need to catch myself but you have to admit that you have triggers isn't that hard for some people all do oh I think everyone does but you have to admit that you do yeah so like here's a hard one let let's just say somebody gets defensive in an argument this guy named Ryan, maybe. Mm-hmm. And their spouse says, you know, you get defensive every time we get in an argument. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the moment. No, in the moment. Or even to the person. It's hard. It's hard to be self-aware, though, Janelle, isn't it? Even I mean, to yourself, you don't know, like, whoa, that is a trigger. I definitely have triggers. I'm just saying, I think, to get to the point where you say, I have triggers, what are they? And accept what they are. That's yeah. a challenge. Yeah. Which yeah. is why it's like... I mean, this is a difficult thing. It's a, a way to improve your relationship without talking to your spouse about it at all. But don't, I mean, discount the difficulty of really admitting a hot button. Because you know how most people are. Well, you know, my real hot button is I try too hard in our marriage. Yeah. I love her too much. <laughs> you know, and you can't do all that. So, okay, get, bring it to life. What has been your journey toward discovery of one of your triggers? Uh, years of conflict. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But also, I think, um, over time, God pressing more and more humility and and teaching you through pruning, you know, yeah. like he's trimming. 
the, yeah, the, the, the vine or whatever. I'm not using the right biblical analogy here at the moment, but he does. He prunes us in order to make us better. And when you let him prune you, you eventually have nothing to do but accept yeah. your own triggers, so to speak. One thing that helps me, honestly, is our discussions here in the morning. As we talk about things, then I'm much more top of mind aware. And when I go home and something happens, it's it doesn't have the opportunity to just wash away, you know, with because, the receding waves. Yeah. It's caught. And I'm like, oh, wow. Because you're aware of it. Yeah, exactly. And see, awareness doesn't seem like it's that powerful on the surface. Yeah. But truly, that that's the point of this, right? It's yeah. just being aware of it, saying, you know what? I think I get defensive. Yeah. I can guarantee the next time you get in an argument, that's going to pop in your yes. mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at it. I just got defensive. Yes. For me, my journey, for those who, who need help with this, for, this number one. Hold on. I'm taking notes. I know, because I'm about to get real. <laughs> I won't share no like I'm super, teasing. super personal one. But I do have a lot of triggers. One of them has to do with my dad. And it, I don't have to get specific, but it has nothing to do with Len. So number one, I agree. It's, it takes years and it, and it takes looking back. But it, it has involved me hearing myself in a conversation. Like there have been times throughout the years that I've said out loud, oh, you sound just like my dad. So that's just a comment. And then the moment... It's about Len, but as I look back, I realize, whoa, that's a trigger for me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not about, about me. It wasn't about Len, but I called it out without realizing it. So that was number one. That's good. Other people uh, helping me see. Like who? It could be friends or conversing with, it could be friends identifying it or like a sibling or a lot of times in conversation with friends, as you talk about childhood or talk about your marriage, you'll identify connections and realize, mm-hmm. oh, maybe that's why right. this bothers me so much. You know, and then of course, counseling could be a last step for people to discover triggers, but I think we have to get to those. And maybe what could help many people is realizing we all have triggers. All of us have triggers. It could be as simple as, remember, you you weren't a wife when you first got married. You were a husband before. <laughs> that, <laughs> for, that's correct. Right? You know? <laughs> Thank you. But for a wife, it could be when a husband first walks in and says, so what did you do all day? That could be a trigger that could set off the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. Because you know, you're sensitive about. So what are you trying to say? I didn't do anything. Right. <laughs> he, may, he may just be curious. Yes. You know? I, I was at oh, work. Wow, to yeah. me, that was boring. You know, yeah. I did the same old, same old. But what did you do? Yeah. No, good, good point, Ron. And I, I, I had a trigger that I did to Sarah a few times where, like, she'd be heading off to the grocery store or something or going shopping. I'd be like, have fun. Oh. Like, get out of here. Go have a great time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And after a while, she'd look at me and she'd go, you think it's fun for me to go grocery shopping for our family? You think I, like, this is fun. Like, <laughs> we. Well, it's getting away from the kids, so. Yeah, that's what I was thinking in my head, but it was a trigger for her. So I, I, over time, I adjusted it to, hey, thanks for going grocery shopping for us. No, but I could see as As opposed to, have fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Russell brings up a good question, and we'll unpack more of this. But he says, good morning, Moody. Your triggers are defense mechanisms to protect a hurt you have buried inside that you've never healed from. Jesus can heal that and eliminate those triggers. 
And huh. I guess I'm, that's a question for me. Are triggers there for us to heal them? Or are they just there for us to know, aren't they a part of who we are? And you identify and say, this will be a trigger. And Lord, help me know how to manage those. Trying to improve our marriage in an empowering way. Our marriages. Our marriages. Ooh, right. whoa. <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> Goodness. Oh, you should have seen Janelle there. What? Her Did face went yeah. wide-eyed and she leaned back in her chair. And you know, Len's listening. He's probably shaking his head like, this girl <laughs> Crazy. Why would I be married to an old lady? Whatever. No, but our <laughs> marriage kidding. is in a way that's empowering. It's what the author calls in this article a sneaky way. Seven ways to improve your relationship without telling your partner. And I, what I like, we've talked about different things we like. My number one way is knowing our triggers and our hot, but hot buttons. And we'll unpack that in a little bit. But I like it in addition because... We are very quick to, man, he got to fix this and he got to do this and I'm tired of this. You know, so it it presumes that you're going to start with, I have stuff I got to fix and that I can control. Yes. Versus changing the other person. Yeah. You know, uh, it it goes with a big, a good piece of advice I got in my teacher training uh, from one professor, which is so good. And he said, a profound statement I think applies to life, not just teaching. But he said, when the students fail to learn, change yourself. Because often what happens for, with a teacher is, you all failed the test. What's wrong with you? You didn't yeah. work hard enough. No, you probably taught it poorly. Yes. So if the students fail, learn, change yourself. So if, you're, if your marriage is struggling, what can you do? Yeah. Change yourself. Yes. I mean, eventually, yeah, your spouse probably needs to make some changes too. But the one thing you have power over mm-hmm. is you. That's right. And Russell asked the question that, how, that, well, he said something that to me is a question. He said, only Jesus can change your triggers. And so he's pretty much saying you can heal your triggers and just pray and bring it to the Lord. I think you yeah. can heal them. You the, can't. Is that the goal, though, to heal them or to acknowledge them? Well, the way he de- described it made me think of, like, if I have a scratch and somebody bumps my scratch, I'm going to react, you know, pull away from them or or maybe lash out if it, if it's that painful. And, and he kind of was saying our triggers are self-defense mechanisms to cover up a hurt inside. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so he's saying get past the trigger, you know, to the hurt and work with Jesus to heal the hurt that the trigger is defending. There are some triggers that are caused by like sin, like pride and all mm-hmm. of that. I just want to validate that there are some that could be used as wisdom. There, is ex- there are experiences, negative, some, many, that we've gone through that we learn from and mm-hmm. become triggers. So I don't know if the Lord wants to get rid of those, but I have a, a, many of those. There's one I'm thinking about that if I don't learn how to manage it, it can turn into fear, living in fear. It can happen again or, yeah. you know, versus I'm going to use that experience to help me trigger me and and stay safe and make better decisions. Do you see the difference? I just want to make sure we're not quick to getting rid of triggers. Some of those is like scars that the Lord put there to give you wisdom and you learn from it and move forward. I don't know if if this qualifies as a trigger, but typically women, young women, but but men as well, are taught to listen to your gut. Yeah. If you're walking down a street and suddenly you notice 
you know, the way people are kind of lining up and they seem to be heading toward you, it might trigger your gut reaction to be like, oh, wait a minute, what's going on? Yeah. And you might stop or walk a different direction or, yeah. you know, head in as if you're going up to a house. Yeah. Yeah, I the the way I would view it would be I think it depends on what your what kind of trigger you're talking about. Like let's just say you were verbally abused by your father mm-hmm. for many years. It doesn't even have to be horrible stuff. Yeah. But like put down by your father, okay? So critical words were what you heard a lot of. Yeah. That can become a trigger as an adult. Yes. And so when your spouse you know, in, a, in just a moment, doesn't say anything horrible, but mm-hmm. a critical word, it triggers in you the pain yeah. that you experienced as a kid. And so then what happens is you have a poor response. I don't think you're ever going to get rid of, like, suddenly you go, did I have a father? Yeah. I mean, was, was he mean to me? Right. I don't, I don't remember. I mean, you're not going to eliminate it in that sense. But I had a counselor say to me at one point that it, at some point you'll, you, you'll get to the point where that was a thing that happened. Oh, okay. Okay. You're aware of it, it happens, but you've learned how to heal from it. And, and so cope when with it, it happens in the future, you don't attach it to that trigger. You and you don't you don't lash respond, out. No, you don't you don't lash out anymore. Yeah, yeah. But it's still there. Yeah. It's like I, I think if you carry on Ron's analogy to the scratch, mm-hmm. it will become a scar. It's still there. Mm-hmm. Right. But now you may not be as sensitive to it anymore. But it's mm-hmm. there. It's a thing that happened. Yeah. Uh, but I you know, I never thought we'd get so deep in this particular part part of it, but it's true. I think I think we all have these these issues that kind of flare up if we don't deal with them, and they can hurt each other. And in fact, I think it's easy as a, in a marriage relationship to get fixated on your spouse's like one thing yeah. and not see your own. Like yeah. for example, let's say your husband's defensive, you start arguing. First thing you think, here we go, yeah. he's defensive again. Or husband goes, here we go again. I'm always wrong. Mm-hmm. She never does anything wrong. It's mm-hmm. me. And so then that, that voice is going in your head and suddenly you're totally ignoring each other and nothing's happening. Yeah. And what happens is, again, they said an average of six years of that and you finally get to marriage therapy and it's almost too late Wow. to fix some of the damage. Yeah. Which one was your favorite way to fix yourself in marriage without telling your spouse? It was express your needs when you're in a good space. So here's what the person writes. Many people struggle to find their voice in relationships. And when they do, it's in the heat of a battle when they're distressed or angry. Mm. If you can say what you need quietly, clearly, and reasonably, you are far more likely to be listened to. But often, here's what happens. Let's say, for lack of a better example, because we brought it up a lot, defensiveness is the problem for your spouse. Yeah. If the only time you bring it up is when you're when you're both angry, it's never going to work. Yeah. Never going to get healed. Mm-hmm. And so, this, the, the author of the article says a, a young man they that they, that they worked with came up with WMC Wednesday marriage chat to talk things through with his partner. He says it's been amazing because it offers regular neutral space for each of them to say what's up, rather than storing it up until they lash out. Right. And Sarah and I have tried that before, where we will. If there's something difficult for us to talk about or whatever, we'll schedule it. Yeah. We'll say, all right, you know what we should do? Saturday mornings, older kids sleep forever. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Little boys mm-hmm. stare at the TV. You know what? This Saturday at 9 a.m., let's let's sit down and we can talk about X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. from our relationship. And it's super effective. Because the tone is set. We know it's going to be talked about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We know when it's going to be talked about. And it's not in the heat of the moment. 
I love that. I've, I know uh, I have a friend couple. We have a friend couple that does that. And it's actually on Wednesdays. Part of me was like, did they talk to so-and-so? And one of the ways it's helped me, we still haven't implemented it because our life is so busy. We use, well, we used to use dates for that. And it made Len be like, yo, I don't want to go on dates no more. Because he would always be like, I don't know what you're going to throw at me. But it was our only time where we were away from the kids and we talked. And so our friends told us, if you have, if you know you have a time, not a date, a time where you're like, this is when we talk about it, then you can go on a date and both be fine and know, oh, we have Wednesday and talk about something else. That was so helpful for for us, especially in those years where you got little kids and you don't have a lot of time to talk. Mm. You don't want to use the time, you know, to, where you should enjoy each other to, quote unquote, fix your marriage. Well, and, and you know, what we discovered recently, too, was that it's hard to find a place when you got kids to go yeah. and just talk. Not in like a, we got to solve this problem. We got to schedule this thing. Yeah. So ends up we have a decent heater finally in our garage. Yeah. And so what we do is... We just tell the kids, well, we're going on a date. Bye. We just walk out, go in the garage, turn the heater on, oh, lock good. the service door, <laughs> put some music on, and sit down. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's good. And no agenda. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying sometimes you need an agenda. Sometimes you don't. Yeah. And I tell you what, she ends up sharing about her day. We end up analyzing some, some things together. I end up sharing something I'm struggling with. And we end up having a really great conversation because mm-hmm. we're isolated, we're secluded. We're not going to get interrupted, and there's no agenda. I think that's another way to do it. But, yeah. but scheduling a time to talk about things is really good, too. Yeah. Um, we, we try to change our spouse all the time, when really all you can do is change yourself. And if your spouse isn't interested in marriage counseling, fine. You can work on things on your own with a counselor right by yourself or just work on things. Finishing up this article on ways to improve your marriage in a kind of sneaky way, without telling your partner. I know uh, sometimes it's a challenge to get two people in a marriage at the same time to recognize and to move in action of, we need help, we got to do something. I like this article. It's empowering because it's it just reminds us, you can do something that can improve your marriage. Mm-hmm. I like the one you shared, Brian, about expressing your need when you're in a good space. I'm going to speak for women. We're very good at like right in the heat of the moment. And you don't do this and you don't do that. And I'm sick of this. Yeah, because so, you got that list. Oh, yes. And our memory. And ready to go. Hello, we got yeah. good memory. you know, it's fascinating. <laughs> There's this really good quote about love not keeping a record of yeah, wrongs. That's no. from the, oh, the Bible. <laughs> but I like it because I, I think you use the word efficient. I don't just want to tell Len the things that I need. Right? I want it to be heard and understood and for something to happen. So if I'm well, doing yeah. it in the heat of the moment and then using it as an attack. Yeah, it's a weapon. Right, a weapon. Then it's just not going to get me where we need to go. Uh, but first, before we finish up, someone sent a text asking about you. And Oh, good. Yeah. So recently you had shared that you were in marriage therapy. And this person is texting and said, Brian, I think you shared that you're in therapy. Did it? solve your issues or did it help um yeah we do share all of our business here don't we yeah we, do. we actually don't share all are of you our surprised business. you shared that no no i'm not <laughs> no i'm not surprised i didn't i don't remember sharing it but i clearly did yeah uh yeah sarah and i are in marriage therapy and i'm not embarrassed about it 
Uh, it's been a tough year for us for a variety of reasons. Everybody's got their reasons why 2020 mm-hmm. was difficult. Amen. Uh, and I wish we wouldn't have waited till the challenges of 2020 mm-hmm. to get into marriage counseling. But it's been one of the best things we've ever done. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and it was easier than I thought to find somebody. And it was easier than I thought to go through it. And and so they're asking, does it did make it, it, what did they ask me? Um, did it help or have you, did it solve any of the problems? Or is it a long process? That's the, the last part of the question. Well, uh, marriage is a lifelong journey. But it's solved a number of issues for us. Well, but, well like, but while they don't flare, I mean, certainly we're going to have some conflicts that flare up and old issues that come, but um, I think it's really a healthy thing to go through. And I would, you know, two out of three dentists recommend Crest or whatever because <laughs> they tried it. <laughs> I, I've, Sarah and I are in it and I really recommend it. And I recommend that you don't wait until you're desperate to get it. What if there are people, now I'm, I'm starting to interview you like your Dr. Slattery. Watch this question. What if you're listening? <laughs> Someone's, I know there are people listening. You're old and you've been married for a long Whoa. time. <laughs> I had to do that. Wow. Right. Well you've done. been married nice. for a long time. Yeah. And so there are some people that feel like it's too late. Like, Not too late. How do you even begin to unravel? So what would you tell someone in that situation? I think a lot of our issues uh, personally that we don't grapple with in counseling uh, and, and, then, and then also in marriage counseling, I think keeps us from intimacy with Christ. There are barriers in your life to intimacy with your spouse mm-hmm. and you think somehow that makes you immune to having those affect your relationship with Jesus? Yeah. Uh, wrong. I think it's never too late for us to grapple with the pain in our lives that we all carry that causes conflict and keeps us from intimacy, healthy emotional intimacy with our spouse or family, whoever you were talking about. And particularly then, I think that's going to free you to be closer to Christ. And that is the goal. I mean, we want you on this radio station to take the next step in your walk with Christ. Uh, and I don't think you can do that in some sense if you're carrying around unaddressed pain. Because mm-hmm. th- that's what pain does oftenly in our lives is keep us from closeness with others. Don't you think? Yes, I agree. Yeah, you push away because pain um, generates fear. And you want to resist it happening like, again? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. And so let's finish up this article, Seven Ways to Improve Your Relationship Without Telling Your Partner. I want to make sure to mention one other way that I really like. And again, I'll speak for ladies. I'm not going to say we're the worst at it, but I know that we need help with this. Good, this- good. Oh, hold on, guys. <laughs> Text your wife. You can speak for the men, though. Turn up the radio. <laughs> Honey, come in the other room. Quick. <laughs> Janelle's going to say it. This last way is be appreciative. People often wind it, wind it, you know, yes. Well, they wind themselves into a state of resentment because their partners are not doing enough. So when their partner does contribute, they'll see it as overdue rather than being appreciative. Everyone responds well to praise. There's no such thing as overthinking. Thank your partner always. It will make them feel valued and the secret benefit in case you haven't guessed it will encourage them to do more. I know I've, I've seen that. I'm quick to do it with the kids, so mm. I should do it. But, like, if I want more of something of a kid, especially the ones that are, like, trouble, 
it's like the best thing I can do as a homeschool mom, as a mom and as a teacher, is catch them doing something good. Like, whatever it is, it could be two minutes of the day, be like, whoa, look at that, and make it a big deal, and I'll get more of that. And so when I see that myself doing it with the kids, I'm like, why wouldn't I do that with my husband? He's not a kid, but I know how I feel when people catch me doing something right. And I like the whole thing about truly being thankful and the idea of, because sometimes what we do is, is about time. Yeah, so like, as an example, right? Honey, you never take out the trash until it's mm-hmm. overflowing. I'm so sick of it. You got to take out the trash. I've asked you a million times, never take out the trash. So one day he does it, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes, hey, babe, I took out the trash. It's about time. Yeah. I've right. been asking you for a long time to take out that trash. Right. Yeah. And you're going to keep asking for a long time before I ever do it again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the the switch that flips there. Or there's the, there's the about time. There's also <laughs> the whole like expectation of that's something you should do. Whether it's helping with the kids, you know, still being yeah. thankful. What, you want to thank you? Yeah. When that's that what you're is. supposed to do. Look <laughs> yes. at all the stuff I do around here. Yeah. Right. And and a lot of times it comes back to, to, well, the wife will say, my dad always took the trash out. And the husband says, that's funny. My mom always took the trash yeah, out. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I yes. Say, it's a woman's job. No, it's a man's oh, job. Oh, man. <laughs> I want to add to being appreciative. There to, to like we're so, we spend so much of our day in our relationship talking about the you don't take the trash out, like the things you don't do, mm-hmm. you know, like look for the things they do, and like why don't we bring that up some and thank them, even if they're still he is not is still not taking out the trash. How about like he helped with the dishes or he shoveled the snow or mention those things and spend more time there. In your mind, because it'll help you kind of bring up and remind you why you love him. But tell him that, because I think our loved ones, our our, part, our spouses, hear too much on the things they're not doing. Well, and again, I think the key to that is is biblical in many ways, where you need to hold up the mirror of your own sin mm-hmm. in order for you to be able to get enough biblical humility yeah. to be able to do things like that. Hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I love how James puts it in, in, in the book of James. He says that wisdom ultimately, if you want to do good works for the Lord, wisdom begins with humility. Mm. Yeah. And so it takes us, I think, doing serious self-examination, owning and letting Christ reveal to us what our sin struggles really are so that we can own them. Yeah. Confess them, repent of them, ask God to help heal us of them. And then once we can see that, it's much easier for us to extend grace to others and their flaws. Right. Because we see how much pain we carry. You know? Yeah. And we, are, we will advocate till the, all day long that you ought to get counseling. It's healthy. Go get it. Yeah. I don't know why you're not. Talk and to your pastor if you don't know. Wait for other people. Don't put that power in someone else's hands. So if your spouse doesn't want counseling, then you go get counseling. And so we had someone text, how do you find a good counselor? We have a couple recommendations for you. One of them, you can go to Fieldstone Counseling. Fieldstone Counseling is, is faith-based. It's local. They do uh, online stuff with you. If you can't go to the office, just look up Fieldstone Counseling online, uh, and we have their guests, their therapists on the show on a regular basis. Yeah. But another one is this. Here's how simple this gets. You have health insurance? Call a customer service number. I'm looking for a counselor. And they have coverage for it. 
coverage, lots of coverage. Mm-hmm. You might all you might have to pay is like a twenty dollar copay for an hour That's working true. on healing. And recently, I've seen some employers have increased it because of what's going on with the pandemic. So oh. you might be surprised. Call and ask. And if you don't want to call and ask, go on the website of your insurance company and you can search yeah. therapist, and a whole bunch will come up in your area. Yep. Consider it. It would be a really helpful thing for you. Ultimately, so you can grow closer to Jesus and break down those walls that keep you from him. Hey, hold up. Where are you going? You know you liked your time with us. You want more. So look down, hit that button right there, subscribe, and you'll get updated episodes and then you can hang some more. And guess what? You can help us. How? A five-star rating. You can also hang with us live weekday 6 to 9 a.m. Interact with us, talk with us. Download the Moody Radio app. Or at brianandjanelle.org. And we don't put all this together all by ourselves. There's some great people behind all this production. We want to thank Ron Eastwood, Kelly Ryder, Paul Carter, Mike Reynolds, and our awesome and fearless leader, Josue Villa. And finally, this podcast is a production of Moody Radio in Cleveland, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Well, Brian, that's a wrap. Yep.